going on, uh, and a lot of humor in it as well. There's just so much humor in it, um, and so it was just one began. Um, and I enjoyed his photography, his paintings, the humor that he puts into the work. Um, and so part of the talk that we wanted, we wanted to also have you all ask questions. If you have questions, I love to hear Jose when he talks. He tells these great stories. If you if you have been in the right place at the right time, you will hear the most interesting stories. My name is. Jose Vargas. My art exhibition is entitled Retromatico. People wearing feathers, instruments, rituals. Female Aztec dancer, shiny dress, sandals, headdress made of large feathers. Aztec dancer doing rituals large stone walls, smoke in the air, headdresses, shadows. My paintings are a small tribute to musicians that came into my life and the good times they provided me. I know some of them are going through some rough times and maybe even send some hellhounds on their tails, trails. Not to mention those damn monkeys on their backs, some of which carried knives or guns. Recently, I listened to a radio program. It was an interview with the late and great Stevie Ray Vaughan. They asked him about his influences. He stated that he admired many musicians and they played with their souls. He, in turn, was doing the same. His message was, if you don't put your soul into it, you're wasting your time. Thank you, Stevie Ray. Well, see, well that, that one is a, this one is kind of a tough one only because It started out, I don't even know when it was, back in 1990 or something like that is, you know, when I met him. Ended up being somewhere at, the, at like the Dallas City Hall for another reason completely different. And, and these people showed up and they were wearing regalia and uh, and I found them really you know really interesting and very very unique. So I asked them. I said, "Who are you and what are you doing?" They said they were Aztec dancers. They were there. Were, they were there to do a ritual. And I thought, how lucky because I just happen to have a camera with me, and I like to photograph unique people. And as it was, because I knew that they were uh, well Indians, mm -hmm. I, I, I was aware that there's a, sort of a protocol. You can't just jump in and do things. You have to have respect and, and keep your distance and ask for permission. So I, I asked him if I could, you know, because well, I had because before that I had, had been going to like American Indians for some sweat lodges, so I understood their protocol as well. And a lot of times you have to ask permission for doing things. So with these ones, I asked him if I had permission to photograph them, and I said was. One of the Aztec dancers had a camera, and he said, "Would you mind taking pictures for me?" And I was delighted to do that. But then I, I found myself wearing three cameras, and I felt like a Japanese uh, tourist. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was kind of in a hurry to just to get the film done, so I would end up with one camera. Anyways, 
while I was photographing them, I was I was keeping keeping an eye on them, and I was studying them, and I was studying their their mannerisms and how they related to one another, and how they related to me. And and of course, one of the things when photographing certain individuals, like those Aztec dancers, and some of the American Indians, they, they create a circle, and you're not allowed to go into the circle, which I was already aware of. So I, I was had to keep keep remembering that. And that, of course, me being an artist, I was looking for just the right image. And with them moving so so much and so rapidly, you have to kind of get into their rhythm and try to guess what their next movement is going to be. And of course, with a with a film. I mean, with, yeah, with using film, you just shoot as many as you can, hoping for that, just that great shot, you know, that all of us are looking for. So I became, I became friends with them. And then later on, uh, well, I met their, their leader, a very special individual, one of the most special in, in individuals that I've ever met in my life. And I usually come across some really interesting people in my walks of life. Anyways, we came almost instantly, we became friends, and then later on he invited me to go down and photograph them because they were doing a ritual, which they hadn't done in several years. There's about 40 or 50 of them together from d different states and from Mexico. And, uh, and I felt privileged and that I was invited to go down there. And, uh, and the way they do things is very regimented. It's sort of like being in the military. You have the the people in charge, and they have a lot of commands. And in that particular type of, and it's a religion, people see them dancing, yes, they are dancing, but to them they are praying, that's how they pray. But they have a lot of commands, and sometimes when you become a, a, a dancer, it's almost like you become a dancer 24 hours a day, maybe 26 hours a day. So you don't really ask questions. If somebody tells you to do something, you just do it. Cemetery, old Chevrolet car. Crucifix, old antique photograph. Seeds, organic material. Vines. Young girl wearing a headdress. Acrylic paint on a wooden board. Hello door, skateboard, wooden, acrylic paint, roses. Feminine figure, clasped hands. La Virgen con dos rosas, acrylic on skateboard. When I saw a skateboard at a second-hand store, I knew I had to buy it to use for a piece of artwork. My first impression was to use it for the Day of the Dead show. But that did, did not work out as I went into a different direction for what I had in mind. I wanted to do a specific design for the Day of the Dead exhibit and I decided to keep the skateboard for a future project as it lent itself for many uses. When it was time to do a painting for this year's Guadalupe exhibit, I again thought of the skateboard I had sitting in the garage. I sent it a couple of times and started primering it. The design of the Lady of Guadalupe came easy for me. I guess it was just meant to be. I like to paint tattoos, flowers, when I can fit them into a piece of art. 
I think these worked out well. The Virgin with two roses. I enjoyed the process. You know, like all of us have a, obviously we have brains and minds, and it's not always the same all of the time. You get into different moods or sometimes when, you know, when you're, when you're doing something, you're, you're going to be doing for a number of reasons. One is you have to do something because somebody's paying you to do it. Two, you're in the mood to do something and you have just a short period of time or other times you, you want to get ready for an exhibition. The exhibition is coming up in two months, so you know you've got X amount of times and then or other times you ran out of time and now you're in a hurry to get something done and you want to do the best that you can. And, and it's okay sometimes. Sometimes people work really well under pressure. I, I don't like that. I, I like having more control over what I do. But I also feel that if for a person to be a good artist, they should, and I've said this before to many people, I think a really good artist should do a, a good piece of artwork in one hour. If they can't, then I don't know. They really need to look at themselves. And I've proven it too. I've proven it to other people. Yes, you can do a good piece of artwork in one hour good enough to be able to display in an exhibition and be proud of. But you were asking me about uh, rituals and stuff. I think that sometimes, again, us as individuals, we're people, but part of us is, is, is spirit. And I believe that, and it's hard even for me to explain, you know, I, I just kind of break it down as simply as I can for, my, for me because I'll under, understand things that are more simple in simple terms, we're humans, we have a brain, and we have a mind. Now, the brain is inside your head, but where is your mind? I have no idea. But I'm willing to bet that the mind is something etherical, and it extends, and actually it knows no limit to space or time. When idea is created, I, I believe that the ideas are in the, in, I don't know if it's the ethereal, realm, but to me that's where, the, that's where ideas are. And so when, when a person is doing art, you could be tapping into all kinds of things, you know, depending on who the individual is. I mean, they could be tapping into something really negative or something really positive, or they could be tapping into some era, who knows, many years ago. I myself have, have found myself when I'm doing art, for example, Let's say I sit down and I say, I'm going to do a drawing of a person in a green mask, for example. Well, I already know I'm going to be drawing, doing a drawing of a person with green mask. That's, you could call that a rule or you could follow it a guideline or whatever you want to even go on. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not sure if the person is going to be a male or female or if they're going to be smiling or frowning. I look at my hands. And I want to see what my hands are creating. I'm not telling my hands what to create. I'm just allowing them to create. And then if they do something, I like it, I'll keep it up. I'll keep doing it. If I don't like it, I'll just erase it and do something else. Now, other times, you already know that something's very specific. And, and it could be in a, done in a ritual manner and sometimes, sometimes it isn't. Sometimes if you're doing something to honor someone, you're going to think about that person and what honor means to you and... I don't know, there's, I, I don't know, there's so many other things to think about, but it could be a, a ritual. Like I myself was born um, 
I was born in 1950, and when I was growing up, my father didn't really have a, a religion. And he was a very brave man. My mom was somewhat religious, but she was afraid of everything and very superstitious. So I picked up a little bit of, from her, unfortunately, and a little bit from him. I think my father was sort of cold and didn't understand a lot of things. And I guess maybe that's why he wasn't afraid. My mom didn't understand, and that's why she was afraid. So unfortunately, as I said, I picked up some of her superstitions. But both of them together, they showed me different ways of looking at life. And when you take those views and you take them with you in your life, it depends on what you're going to do, whether you're a musician or an artist. And sometimes I tap into those things. And sometimes I, I kind of don't even think about it. I just do it just because, again, who knows where your impressions are coming from when you get into what I call the zone. There are several layers of paint on a wooden, on a piece of wood. The wood is square. On the board is gesso, one is white, one is black. About four different colors using acrylic paint. There's a figure on the board, but it's see-through. And there's some text on the board. Wooden board, acrylic paint, mask, blue eyes, large lips. The title is he enjoyed wearing a green mask. It's acrylic on wood, painted in 2011. The paintings are visual narratives, portraitures of characters wearing green masks going through various emotional experiences. Some of the masks serve to protect us while others serve to hide our true intentions. Sometimes we wish to stand out amongst our peers. Sometimes we wish to blend into our surroundings, hoping not to be noticed. All of us hide behind one mask or another as we go through life. Our masks tie us to others, our bond. Sometimes our masks give us power and strength Sometimes we just want to be someone else, at least for a short time, for a short period of time. At times we ourselves didn't know which mask or personality we were wearing. And when we look into a mirror, we did not recognize ourselves. We deny that who or what we see are really us. We see in others a reflection of ourselves. Sometimes we're in a smile, sometimes we're in a frown. At times we go through life without a care in the world. Other times we go through life with so much sensitivity to the point that we deteriorate a little bit at a time, emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. From a distance, all green masks appear to be the same. Hmm. And you know what? It, it, that's interesting because from your perspective, because I never really thought about it. You know, I, you know, like when I do art. I do something that I feel that it needs, and, and, and that's really the only reason. You know, like sometimes I may do a piece of artwork, and I'll add something to it because I'm looking at the space, and to me, if I feel that there's a space there that shouldn't be there, then I feel that that piece of artwork is not finished, so I may add something just to take up that space, and then when I feel that that his work where he's complete, then I live alone. I, I never think, I really don't think about it because 
I, says, I just do it because I feel that it needs it. Our Lady of Guadalupe on the skateboard is a perfect example. I put the rose up there because without the rose, you have a blank space. And at the bottom, without that rose there, again, you have a blank space. And to me, it's kind of dull. So I had the roses, but when you add the roses, then you're tapping into something else. You know, why is there a rose floating in the air? What does that mean? And it could mean a lot of things to different people. Why is there a dark rose at, at, the, at the bottom? And again, it, yeah, there's a lot of symbolism there. Why black? I don't know. Okay, sometimes I, I, I did it only because I felt that that's what it needed to be done. I didn't have any particular purpose. Sometimes when I do art, I don't fully understand I understand the process only because I'm in the middle of doing it, but I don't fully understand the reason behind it unless I do it deliberately. One thing that I've noticed, again, sometimes when I do something deliberate, I already, already have it in my mind, and that's what I like about being an artist. But I also understand that some people, myself included, we're all different and we, we view and not view and feel and, and not feel or understand things completely differently. I've, for example, I've met some people that are, that are good at the craft. In other words, if you show them a, a picture in a magazine or a photograph, they can duplicate it on a piece of canvas. You take that photograph away, they're blind. They can't, they can't do it. Their brain and their mind does not allow them. They're just, they're not that creative. They're, it's like their mind is not working right. Whereas with other people, like for me, I sometimes in my mind will show me a, a video or or like a almost like a hologram, like a, a slide, an image, and a lot of times it's just an impression. But you know, I think if you really work at it, you can actually see images floating in the air, and you know, all you have to do is all you have to do is just. Duplicate what you just your mind just showed you. I was felt it's really important for, for artists to write down something as fast as they can because I've been, for example, I've been surfing on the internet for something or another and then I get an idea. I might see a picture, I don't know, of, of something that has nothing to do with, well, that's the way the, the, the thought process works, right? You might see a commercial or you might see a picture, let's say, for example, of a dog, a dog running somewhere. And then you go, oh, that's kind of cool, and, you're, and you keep going, but your brain goes, hey, wait a minute. What if, there was a, what if there was a little Lone Ranger guy, six or seven or eight or 12 inches tall, and he's riding on the back of that, of that dog? He doesn't need a horse. He's got that dog, and you're going, wow, that's right, and the dog would act like a horse, and the dog would know what the, the little, you know, 12-foot Lone Ranger guy wants, so they're like a team, and so your brain is already showing you, well, look, you can do these colors and those colors, and, and you know, the dog's going to be having his tongue sticking out and, and, and this and that. But at the same time, you're still surfing the Internet. You're still trying to figure out what the, you know, did somebody send you an email? Did they answer you, blah, blah, And then in your, your mind is going, oh, wait, wait, Jose, you, you, you really should be writing down. And you're going, no, no, I've got to find out what, you know, you know, what am I doing with this, you know, with this mouse and I'm cooking here and then, and then after a while you're going, uh, what was I thinking about a while ago? Hmm, I don't know, which is something about an animal. Or but it goes away. It, it goes away because you, you were, your, your brain wanted to read that email. And, and, and 
and the other thing that I've also noticed about myself, and, and it will happen, a lot of times when I'm doing art, I like to, I like to get, look at my hands and see what are my hands doing. Like I said before, if I like what my hands are doing, I continue. If I don't like what they're doing, I stop and start over again. But this, this is what I noticed one time which I found interesting. I was, I was painting a, a rose, and I do a lot of tattoo roses. I, I like to use the same image over and over again whenever I can fit it in, just because I like the design, but I use different colors. And I was going to paint it a reddish color and already had the paints laid out. So, so obviously you just you stretch out your hand and you go for the red. Well, the hand moved to the right and it picked up a brown tube of paint and I went, oh, that's interesting. Okay, I guess I'm going to use brown. You see what I'm saying? I wasn't thinking about it. The hand moved on its own. And, and so that tells me, well, my hand is telling me to use brown paint. So I'm going to use brown paint and go into what well, there it is. Doesn't look bad. I, I kind of like it. Again, you, you, sometimes you don't really know what's guiding you, you, you because you don't even think about it. You just do it. You know, you just you just do it. You know. Well, yeah. Someone asked me earlier, how did you pick all this work, and was there more work? And it's a lot of work. He is, uh, what is that word, prolific? <laughs> he makes a lot of work. Um, and he just, he brought in, I, I said, just bring what you bring, just bring it, because he was sending me a lot of photographs. And we looked at a lot of photographs. Uh, I'll show, share with you a little bit of the process. We, I look at a lot of the photographs digitally. Um, he showed some of the work um, physically. At one meeting, um, then he would send me things and text me like, "Yeah, I got another piece. I got it." And I was like, "Great!" I would say, "Great, good job." And uh, so then we finally, uh, when he came to uh, the time that we had to install the workman, he brought a lot of work. And unfortunately, not everything can be shown because of the space limitations. So we had, I mean, there was so much photography, so much even more drawings and paintings. Um, and I saw something, you sent me something where the there was a critic who said something like, why didn't she choose more of this photography or something? And I was like, well, because there's a lot. There's just so much. And I know that Jose had certain things that he wanted to be able to display. And that was something on my mind as a curator is that I didn't want to encroach upon his, you know, what his vision of his retrospective was. Because um, that's just not, that's not good. Um, it's, it's his time to shine, so... Um. My name is Jose Vargas. My art exhibition is entitled Retromatico. That's it.